1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. All right. And we'll open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. I just, uh, thank you uh, for this portion of your word, Lord. I pray that I would do it justice today, Lord, that I would... Uh, do a um, honourable job at presenting your word, that you would enable me, give me clarity of thought, and wisdom, and may this be a blessing to all who are here today. In your name, Amen. Now, as I was studying out this passage, um, I couldn't help but be reminded about an old joke that I heard many, many years ago, which I will share with you by way of illustration. Um, it's about... Um, an Olympic event in swimming where all the competitors came out and in lane eight uh, a head popped out just a head there was no body attached and of course this caused a real stir in the uh, audience how can a head possibly swim with everyone else but uh, as it's his swimming cap was fitted by his coach he hopped up on the block and the gun went he dived in and he swam somehow the race of his life. Finished first in every single heat and it was the talk of everyone who was there. The media covered it. It was, it was a, a real story. So it came to the final, the gold medal uh, race and the head dived in and sank straight to the bottom. All the other swimmers kept going. The lifeguards dived in. They found him. They brought him out. He was unconscious. They gave him mouth to mouth. CPR on the neck part and it coughed up a lot of water and I said what happened he said I got a cramp <laughs> now while it's not a very good joke it's ridiculous because how can a head get a cramp how can a head swim how can a head just by itself how can a head live the head is no good without the rest of the body and yes there are Paralympians who perform admirably with Im uh, impairments missing different body parts perhaps but they've got more body parts than they don't have body parts and the reason why we're talking about body so much is that Paul in this part of the passage he really he turns the analogy of the human body to get his point across now last time I preached was just a week and a half ago so it should be refreshing some of your minds the first half of chapter 12, we looked at the abyss of spiritual gifts and how Satan has shown his hand as a master forger or hijacker, either imitating a message or experience from God with a satanic undertone to direct people away from the Lord, or he hijacks our gifts and abilities. So we have the gifts, but we're using them incorrectly and God is not glorified and the end result is the same. This part of the passage focuses on the latter part, the use of spiritual gifts correctly. With the body of Christ, what's parts and actions explained as the figure of a literal body. So with the ideas of human bodies in mind, the title of my message today is bodybuilding. And we're going to see how as all members of the body, we have unique, important roles to play in the body. We have to work in harmony as Christ intended. To do this, we need to have the right perspective. We're looking at the right perspective of our role in the body of Christ, our right perspective of our role in the body of Christ. Let's see how Paul kicks off this argument though. He um, starts with what's called the foundational concept, point number one, foundational concept, verse 12. 
For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Explains how it works. The human body is an example of unity and diversity. The human body is a marvellous creation. Um, when I was in Sydney, uh, part of the prison ministry, if I was asked to speak, I couldn't go past um, getting to the point where hopefully they would see that there is a God needed saving and I couldn't go past looking at our bodies as examples. The things that we do over and over without even thinking, getting up out of bed, getting dressed, going, opening the fridge, pouring some juice, all of these take multiple muscle groups working. It's a feat of engineering that we as man, we cannot master, we cannot surpass it. We've got pretty advanced robots today, but none that will ever come as close to the human body in its complexity. And it shows the, um, the, the ingeniousness of our creator. So it's a very fitting analogy of how the body is all supposed to work together. So he says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. This could also be translated, so also is the Christ. Which means it's not just talking about the glorified Jesus who's in heaven right now, but it's talking about the whole idea of how Christ is the head in heaven and his body members are here on earth. As safe, we are the vehicle on earth by which he chooses to make himself known to the world. Which is a real privilege if you think about it, but also a great responsibility. Christ is not here anymore, he lives on in us. And how people come to know him is through us pointing them to the head, Christ. For by one spirit, verse 13 says, are we all baptised into one body? Now what's this baptism talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. Of course, we're not going into great depth here. I'm not giving the arguments for or against. I'm giving you the, the answer. It's the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First happened at Pentecost. And ever since then, when we are um, saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that makes us new creatures. This is what's part of the body. The Holy this Spirit here is not a later experience uh, as charismatics want us to believe that if you are spiritual, once you get saved, if you achieve a certain level of spirituality, you'll then receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to do marvellous things and speak in tongues and whatnot. That's not what we're talking about because it's a wrong doctrine. Because the Corinthians had the ability to speak in tongues. In fact, this is what a lot of this is all about. But as we know by now, they were carnal. They were not spiritual people. They were saved, but they weren't spiritual. But they were still given a spiritual gift. They were not spiritually mature so they're baptized into one body what's that the body of christ and it's for everyone whether we be jews or gentiles whether we be bond or free which would have been really had a, a great impact for those reading because corinth as i mentioned way back when we started the series the city of corinth was estimated to have about two hundred fifty thousand free citizens and over four hundred thousand slaves almost double the slave to free person ratio so there would have been slaves in the congregation. And to be told, you all share in Christ, even as a slave would have been a great joy for them. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free. We've all been made to drink into one spirit. What's this one spirit? Well, if we need further proof, John 7 says in verse 37, you don't need to turn there. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, 
If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, that's what they're drinking of. They're drinking of the Holy Spirit. We're saved. We have the Holy Spirit. This is this foundational concept. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are part of His body. And as verse 14 says, For the body is not one member, but many. So we're all part of the body. We've all got different roles to play as the human body has. So this is the foundational concept. However, as we often do, we see this and then we muff the actual practice, which then we go on to see foolishness characterized. We've seen the foundational concept. Now let's look at the foolishness characterized in verse 15. If the foot shall say, I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? This is classic playground reasoning. I've seen it time and time again. Let's play a game, okay? I'll be the mummy, you be the daddy. I don't want to be the daddy. If I can't be the mummy, I'm not playing. See, time and time again, if we don't get what we want, we don't play. And it's, it's not just limited to the childish world. Uh, it's well known that athletes from different sporting teams they get, a, they get an ego, a chip on their shoulder, and if they can't play in the position that they don't want to play, that they, don't, that they want to play, rather, they will leave the club because they want to play where they want to play. Not, uh, they don't themselves as team players. This is a childish foolishness characterized. If the, can you imagine if our foot would say, because, as Paul says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Well, that's ridiculous. And if the ear says, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Well, the foot can do things that the hand can't do. And you can be really good with your hands, but if you can't walk anywhere, that's a problem. And if you can see everything, but you can't hear everything, that's a problem as well. They both serve vastly different roles, but they harmonize. They're meant to work together. And to say, because I can't do this, then I'm not included. I won't play. It's foolishness. This can lead to bitterness in our lives where we... Look at someone who's got a gift of some kind and we just really wish we had that gift and we grow bitter, maybe you're envious of that person or maybe we're not hateful towards that person but it leads to a genuine belittling of ourselves. Not where you're doing it for attention, like oh, I'm so ugly and you wait for someone to, please validate me. Um, but I'm talking about people who genuinely feel that they can't contribute anything because they're not gifted like their peers, like the other people in the church are. And they get down on themselves and they don't fulfill the role that the Lord has for them because the reality is we're all gifted in some area. But we may feel that we aren't valuable. The hand and the foot serve valuable functions, as I said. Likewise, the eye and the ear and the nose all serve valuable functions. It's a ludicrous conclusion to think that just because I can't do something that someone else can, I'm not important. I don't have a role to play. I've been on two uh, short mission trips in my life and the one of the best experiences or insights I gained out of that, that it's not the people who are gifted speakers who are most useful on a mission field. It's the, per it's the people who probably aren't gifted public, uh, with public speaking, but they can fix fence and they can fix anything with an engine or they just work hard. 
And these are the people that the mission field wants and needs because they've already got speakers. But someone to come over and fix their something for them. These are valuable people who some of these people feel that they're a bit inferior because they can't speak, they can't get up the front. But they're the real team players because they can do the things that no one else wants to do or can do. Just because you can't do something that someone else can do doesn't mean that you're not valuable in the body of Christ. And to show that this was such a foolish attitude, Paul gives what I call point number a fair comparison. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, he argues, where hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Obviously, if ever was, the whole body was a giant eye, or a giant ear, or even just a head, that would be terrifying and ultimately useless. The eye can see everything, but it can't process it because it doesn't have a brain. It can't breathe because it doesn't have lungs. You know, it can't share what it has seen because it can't speak. It doesn't have a mouth. It's unable to function. And Paul has just shown that this is the comparison. This, if you are arguing and thinking, I'm not as good as other people because I don't do this. I can't do the same sort of things as they are. Well, if everyone can do the same thing, we're all the same and it's, we can't function. If everyone can preach but no one can sit there and listen, well, that's a problem and it's not very good. Verse 18, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. It's God's prerogative to give as he will. After all, he is the head of the body. He's designed his body. He's the creator. And he uses diversity to create unity. The hands can't do what the feet can do and vice versa, but they work together to do great things. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where were the body? Obviously, this is important. It's the same, more of the same of what he's saying in verse 17, but he's basically saying if you're just one body part, you're not an entire body. If Corinth were a body part, they would be a giant tongue because they loved speaking in tongues and they were misusing it greatly. A giant tongue is horrific to look at and ultimately useless. This is the context. They all wanted the gift of tongues. As we looked at in the start of chapter 12, where Paul had to re remind them of the lines that were blurred between spirituality, what was of God and what was the devil, because of the ecstatic utterances of the day. And then chapter 14, which we may get to, um, it's all about how to use tongues properly. So it's a big issue. It's under the surface, but it's there. The people who had tongues, they were using it proudly. They were looking down at people because other people didn't have it. The people who didn't have it were perhaps pretending to have it, or they were ones who really, really wanted it, and the devil uses an opportunity to gain a foothold in their lives because they were speaking something, but it wasn't from God. They'd opened themselves up to the forger, who, of course, we looked at last time. Verse 20, but now are they many members, yet but one body. We've all got different gifts, but we're all meant to be part of the same body. Body of the local church, extended to the body of Christ. You can't help but think about the analogy of singing. If we all sing the same, if we all sing the melody, it gets boring after a while. That's why different arrangements, they have different parts, and they're all meant to harmonize and work together well. Conversely, though, even though the melody is not as exciting as singing a part, you get to sing a part, if it's maybe not as exciting, but if you sing all the parts without singing the melody, that doesn't sound very good either. 
Fellas, you remember when we sung our men's group and the people who meant to sing the melody were all sick and we didn't realize? Like it happened a couple of years ago. It didn't sound very good. The bass nailed it, the tenor nailed it, and the alto nailed it, but there was no melody. And everyone looked at us going, we couldn't figure out what was wrong because we, well, it was an accident, but greater, you know, gifts that are probably more desirable. If we haven't got the basic gifts, it all sort of falls apart. It doesn't sound good. So with such a fair comparison that if we've all got the same gifts, we just turn out like a giant body part, which is not useful. So we've got to work over time to not arrive at a false conclusion. That's point number four, a false conclusion. Verse 21, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We need others with different skills, gifts, and abilities, which I'm sure you're figuring out by now. This is a perfect example. The, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Well, the eye can see all sorts of great things. The eye can see what he needs to pick up, but if he hasn't got a hand, he can't advance and actually complete that action. The head to the foot, I don't need you. The head with the brain can think of all sorts of wonderful plans and ideas, but if it hasn't got a feet to take from there to actually complete these ideas, you're just a dreamer, not a doer. We need people who have got the vision, but we also need people who can actually complete that work. And they're not always the same people. They need to work well together. Now, this reminds me of the Australian Defence Force um, because the Army, the Navy and the Air Force are all very competitive. And even though I'm a bit biased, I really feel like the Army does come out on top because our classic argument which Air Force and Navy have got no reply to when they say that they're better. We say, guys, no one played Navy or Air Force when they were a kid. And they bow their heads because it's true. No one's like, I'm on a, sh on a shipping container, aircraft carrier. No one says that. But within the Army, there's also this real competitiveness, uh, especially amongst the combat corps, which is the real Army side of things. Between the infantry, artillery, cavalry, and armour, there's a real competitiveness as to who's better. And again, infantry has the most, um, they're the most vocal about it. Um, but then there's the non-combat corps who perhaps feel a little bit inferior. And it's, it's kind of amusing because they come up with slogans that, that we matter too. Uh, the classic ones are the signals, the, the radiates. Their catchphrase is no comms, no bombs, guys. Um, we matter. Um, there's the, uh, what's the other one? The transport. Uh, if we don't move, no one else does. Well, infantry walk everywhere, so that doesn't really work. Um, the Q store, the people who, um, the suppliers, the, oh, we call them Qs. Um, theirs is, our bullets don't fly without supply. So we may not get to pick up a gun, but we give you all your bullets. So we're, we're really important as well. The cooks, the army marches on its stomach. We walk on our feet, or everywhere. But, and Sue's not very good either. And the pay clerks, they don't have any slogans, probably because they're too busy trying to figure out ways to not pay us on time. <laughs> but, they have a point. Because if the entire army is infantry, we don't get anything. Because we don't have bullets, we don't have food, we don't have the truck to take us to where we need to start walking. We don't have money. We need all of these things. 
It's not as glamorous, as exciting as crawling through the mud and shooting at things and kicking down doors, but it's all essential. Verse 22, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And in the church, there are people who cannot public speak to save their lives, but they are wonderful prayer warriors. There are people who can't interact with others very well. They're terrible. They've got no interpersonal skills. They don't work with young people well. But they can build and maintain the church property like no one else can. And there are people who can't even pick up a hammer and use it properly. Um, But they're very, very generous. They're giving. All of these people work together. And we need these people. Verse 23 says, And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Now someone once said, These obscure gifts and functions are to be given honour and respect, the way that they sum this up. The mouth enjoys the taste of the food, but the stomach is the one that holds the food, digests, gives the body nourishment there are some people who get the glamorous job they get to taste the food but there's someone behind the scenes working hard at it and there are people with what are perceived feeble gifts or weak gifts or less honorable gifts ones that aren't very glamorous the one that no one wants to be when they grow up no one wants to do that job but they are essential you know the little toe may not seem like a very important body part it's very little but get rid of it and try to run without it and you can't balance. Uh, I used the example a little while ago of a man named Kimbo Slice who was a very, very uh, prominent cage fighter and action movie stuntman, bodybuilder, etc. Very big, strong in the prime of his life, died a couple of months ago from a massive heart attack that no one saw coming. Looked really great on the outside, all the muscles, but inwardly his body was not healthy. And you know, bulging biceps and big chests look good, but if internally, um, these less thought-of body parts aren't doing their job, everything falls apart. And Paul is saying that we need to bestow honour, more honour on those feeble, less honourable, less comely parts. Now, going with, um, let's look a little bit closer at verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour. Here, the bestow, bestow honour, it literally means to place around. It's giving the idea of clothing, which fits because we're talking about a body. And it's going with the idea of expensive, nice, really rewarding type clothing. You know, the person who, they're probably nothing special to look at, but come a wedding time or, you know, a fall or a graduation or something, they put on some really nice clothes and everyone says, wow, you scrub up really nicely. Their face hasn't changed. What they're wearing makes everything else look better. And what Paul is saying is that these people who have the less desirable jobs, the less desirable gifts, who don't get the recognition, we need to bestow honour on them. We need to make them look better. They need to be rewarded for their work. The purpose is the equality of recognition and honour. Why? For our comely parts, in verse 24, have no need. Basically saying those who have desirable gifts, public gifts, they don't need extra recognition. They have their reward. They've been blessed with a gift that's quite rewarding in itself. And generally, if you've got a public gift, people don't really forget to thank you. Someone, 
you know, a visiting speaker, the love offering gets taken up for them. People thank them, shake their hands, because they've got a very public gift and there's nothing wrong with that. They've got their reward. And also, if their motives are right, they've got eternal reward as well. But for the person who made everything possible, who, you know, got the program together, people often forget to thank that person. And the Lord is saying through Paul that he'd want this to happen. God hath tempered the body together, means mixed together, having given more abundant honour to that part which lacked. He's saying there are some parts of the body of Christ which are very comely, they're good to look at, and they are very, very public. You know, someone's face you always see, the mouth, the speaking, the eyes, the hands, but the internal uh, parts that don't get as much recognition. You know, when's the last time you thought, man, I'm really glad at how well I'm digesting things today. No one thinks about the crucial body parts, but we need them. And the whole purpose is to draw attention to them and thank them and give honour to them because we're all meant to work together. Um, why, what is the ultimate purpose? Verse 25, there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. This word skin here means discord. It doesn't want discord in the body, that all the members should have the same care for one another. This is the false conclusion that I have an ability and it's a nice ability, so your ability doesn't matter. This is the false conclusion that we're arriving at, that people are happy with the gifts that they've got and are looking down on those who they esteem to be lesser than themselves, the ones who don't matter, the ones who seemingly don't contribute anything at all. And that's not simply not true. It is a false conclusion to arrive at. It sows discord. All members should have the same care one for another. We need to take pleasure in fellow believers being recognised for their gifts. There should be no envy. There should be no bitterness that someone is being honoured for doing a good job or being gifted in an area and likewise those people who are honored a lot should be looking at ways to honor those who aren't honored as much because their gifts aren't anywhere near as public or even attractive to begin with um, we need we need each other and we've got to celebrate this verse 26 says and whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it or one member be honored all the members rejoice with it what does it say? We need to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. The focus has got to be on others. We're not to use our gifts to pad our, you know, you know, build ourselves up, make ourselves look good. It's for the benefit of other people. And if someone is honoured, we should celebrate with them. And if someone is struggling, well, we should weep with them. But guess what? We're not going to notice if someone is struggling in their life if we're too busy being self-absorbed, focusing on our own gifts and abilities or lack of, so inwardly focusing that we're frustrated, we don't feel like we contribute anything. There's someone sitting in the row in front of you, behind you, who's really hurting with something and you can't even see it because you're too busy being self-absorbed. The focus must be on others regardless of what your gifts and abilities are. When the human body doesn't feel pain, there's a problem and there is a, I can't remember what it's called, I looked it up this morning, there's a condition where the body shuts down and pain cannot be felt, which is not a good thing because someone can slice their hand open and not even know. There's someone who can 
you know, burn their foot, third degree burns and not realize. And had they received attention immediately, they might have been okay. When we don't feel one another's pain, there's a problem because we're too self-absorbed. We need to be looking at using our gifts to um, bless other people, honor other people and help other people which doesn't seem that it might relate, but this is what it says right here. Whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. We're not going to notice someone suffering if we're too busy looking inwardly at our own selves and thinking about ourselves all the time. It is a false conclusion to think that we can do this by ourselves because we are not one body part, we are a complete body. We must stop focusing on what others do have and feeling inferior or reveling in what we do have and thereby pushing everyone else away because they're not as good as us. This is what makes the body suffer. Our God can use every single gift that he's given us because he gave it to us. Why? Because he is, last point, our faithful craftsman. Verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Verse 27 is basically just a reminder of who we're serving, what we're doing this for. We're the body of Christ. We're not the body of us. We're doing this for a greater reason. Verse 28, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. God allocates roles so the body works in harmony. He lists these glamour gifts first, these really, really public ones. Apostles, there's not too many of them. They're pretty important. Prophets teachers and then after that he goes through a list of lesser miracles which well gifts which hey if we had them today we'd be thinking they were pretty special sign gifts most of them not for today but everyone received gifts of some kind but he goes on he rams at home in verses 29 and 30 are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing do all speak with tongues do all interpret of course not. No one is a true jack of all trades and no one should expect to have what other people have. The craftsman, the faithful craftsman knows what the body of each local church needs. He knows where from strength where he wants people to focus and he therefore blesses and gift, uh, gifts that church accordingly. At this point, in my study, I could not help but be reminded of that classic cinematic genius that was Disney's The Incredibles, where if you're not familiar with it, it's a family of superheroes, um, superpowers, and the villain, he didn't have superpowers, and he was bitter about that. So he got rich, and he made all sorts of inventions and um, to make him appear to be a superhero. He captured them, and he gave his all, you know, the generic monologue before he kills them, but I found it very applicable. This bad guy, Syndrome, he says to them, when I'm old and I've had my fun, I'll sell my invention so that everyone can be superheroes. Everyone can be super. And when everyone is super, insert evil laugh, no one will be. Mwahaha. If everyone's got the same gifts, no one's got gifts. Why is that person special if they just do what everyone else can do? And this is how the craftsman, he allocates different roles to different people. And sure, some are more glamorous than others, but that glamorous role can't function without all those other supporting roles which are just as crucial. 
to avoid the situation where the local church is just a head trying to swim all by itself, the great designer or craftsman has gifted his body with every skill and gift needed. God has a place for you in the local church. Find what you're good at and you've got to use it for God's glory. Failure to do so robs the body. So that's to conclude. Today we've looked at bodybuilding, building up the body of Christ. We've tried to find the right perspective of our role in the body. We looked at the foundational concept that we are the body of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit, therefore we're part of the body and we each have different roles to perform. We saw foolishness characterise this, uh, this attitude that creeps in that if I, don't, if I can't be as good as someone else, I, I'm clearly not important, which is not true. We fair comparison of us all being like one giant body part and that doesn't work. It's, it's not practical. It doesn't work. We saw the false conclusion that just because you might have a gift that you seem, you think is better than someone else's, that's the wrong conclusion to arrive at because we need everyone. And then we saw that the faithful craftsman, he's the one who has put us where we are. He's gifted us the way that he has and he's done it for a reason, to benefit others and to ultimately benefit and glorify him. I'll leave you with this final illustration. Um, the 2006 NRL champions, the Brisbane Broncos. And if you um, look through their uh, season review, you'll come across a man named Shane Perry. I doubt anyone here has heard of Shane Perry. Shane Perry was a halfback, which is a very it's most important position on the football field. He wasn't a first grader. He was very forgettable. It was the type of person who used to look away and forget what he looked like. In fact, when I researched him, I realized that he actually played for the Bulldogs before he came to the Broncos, and I had no memory of him. He wasn't important. He only got his start in first grade because their starting halfback that year was, his contract was terminated for disciplinary reasons. Shane Perry was nothing special. He could pass and kick and that was about, he couldn't run, he wasn't fast, he wasn't brilliant, but he got brought into the team and he played his role perfectly. He didn't try to overplay his hand, he knew what his strengths were and he played it perfectly. He was surrounded by superstars and all he did was pass the ball to them or kick the ball to them. And they went through and won the grand final with a halfback who's probably the worst halfback to ever win a grand final. But history now shows that Shane Perry is a premiership winning player with the great Brisbane Broncos team. They beat the Melbourne Storm, a very dominant Melbourne Storm team, who 10 years later in another grand final today. It was a remarkable achievement from someone who probably had no right to be there. But he played, he knew what his gifts were, he played his part perfectly. So whatever your skill is, Know it, earn it, own it, use it for God. Don't kick stones because you're not as gifted as the other people around you. Envy other people. Or if you are really gifted, praise the Lord, don't despise those who are probably, you think to be lesser gifted because you still need them to make you be able to function. We are to serve others and serve Jesus with what we have. That's your role in the body of Christ. Whether you're a mouth who gets to speak and everyone hears what you have to say, or you're a little toe, which seemingly does nothing else than keep balance and find furniture in the dark. Let's build the body of Christ together, regardless of how gifted you think you are. Because God's gifted you exactly the way that he's planned, exactly how he's intended, and it's up to you to figure out how you can use it for God's glory. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gifted each and every one of us, that you do love us, that you've designed us and uh, made us each fearfully and wonderfully. Lord, for anyone here who are struggling with uh, issues of feeling as though they have nothing to give, or feelings of bitterness, envy perhaps, or pride for those who have been really, really blessed, Lord. Just pray that you would remove all of these attitudes from our lives, Lord. Help us to function harmoniously as the body of Christ as you intended. And may we therefore bless others and ultimately bless you and bring others to you through building of the body together, Lord. Just pray that you would bless us as we go our separate ways and uh, help us look for opportunities this week to use our gifts for your glory. In your name, amen.